Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day, Lord, for doing something new in our lives. Lord, we thank you for making a way for us in the wilderness. Lord, we would ask that today you would break your word small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. This morning I would invite you to turn your attention to our Old Testament text from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Throughout the last few weeks in the season of Lent, we have had a theme of journeying and sojourning as we take one step closer to the cross with each week's readings. And without accident and with great intentionality, the way that the lectionary speaks to us today in giving us this passage from Isaiah 43 could not be more profound. As we come close to Holy Week and the things that we discuss and imagine in Christ's passion throughout the years suddenly become real in very tangible ways as next Sunday we will wave palm branches and cry out Hosanna as he enters into Jerusalem. And then just a few days later, we gather around his table to celebrate the supper that he gave after celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And then just a few short hours after that, we listen as he takes his final breaths from the cross. And in all of this, you wonder, how does God make a way? How does he get through the difficult stuff that lays ahead? But the way ahead is different than the way back. When I was a kid growing up in Scouts, we would occasionally take a trip to do a caving outing. And when you go deep into the depth of a dark, cavernous cave, there is always this risk that somehow you might not find your way back out again. And now this was in my smaller days. So I was able to get into different places than I might be able to as an adult. And as you wind your way back in there, you begin to wonder, what happens if I get lost? And so one of the obvious suggestions is, is that perhaps you tie a rope to your waist on one end and then tie the other end to a tree, and then you just use that as a lead. And so the deeper you go into the cave, there's always this little bit of rope that you can use to follow on your way back out. This trail of braided breadcrumbs. And see, in the church, we have this amazing history and tradition. 
And what it does is it keeps us looking forward as we can reflect back and see everything that God has done since the beginning of time. And yet the temptation is, is that instead of looking forward, we begin to grab on to those breadcrumbs and take it all the way back. Back to where it's comfortable. Is God speaks to the people of Israel through Isaiah. Isaiah speaks and says, Thus says the Lord, the one who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. You see, the deliverance of Israel from Egyptian slavery meant crossing through the waters of the Red Sea in such a fashion that they could never return back the same way again. That there was absolutely no way for them to retrace their steps. And in fact, even as God divides the Red Sea and the Israelites cross over on dry ground, the Egyptians go to follow and God sees fit to close the waters up around them. But even though they could never go back the same way, they never forgot where they had come from. And in fact, some of them, in their grumbling and griping, actually recall these memories of slavery fondly as their groaning of their own bellies begins to drown out the sounds of reason. See, the same is true for our own stories personally and corporately. We may not be the same today as we were yesterday, but we carry scars and stories to tell of God's work within them. But if we judge our strength and success on the past, it leaves us damaged and defenseless. Isaiah says, Who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior? See, these were the expressions of political and military prominence in the ancient world. This was the way that they said, nobody has anything on us. The chariot was this like ultimate weapon of war. And so if you had more chariots in your army, then you were naturally seen as more powerful. And Isaiah says, guess what? Even if God still smotes them, he will render them useless. They lie down. They cannot rise. Focusing on who we have been prevents us from being who we are. It confronts us with this awkward reality of what was once socially and politically acceptable that now we recognize is no longer.
Just look at how we view mental health care. Back in the days of colonial America and even farther back than that, the idea that someone was schizophrenic meant that it was a spiritual issue and that they had to have the demons exercised by their priest. Not that there was actually a legitimate medical issue here because they didn't understand it fully, but that stigma lasted even as far as the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And then the pendulum swings so far the other way that faith and religion are actually removed from medical care and were treated as just this kind of sterile piece of meat. And yet, as it swings back toward the middle, we see that there is a balance between the two. The way that we treat addiction is different. The way that we understand it to be a disease that not only affects an individual, but entire family and social groups is different. You see, those who are bound by the past also die by it. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished and quenched like a wick. You see, the pride of Israel was not and who God had called them to be, but instead was in the size of their army. It was in their economic and political identity amongst the other nations on earth. This is what they saw as the fulfillment of God's promise that they would be a great nation. And yet in pursuing this goal, they dilute, denigrate, and neglect their identity in Yahweh that made them so unique. And rather than God saying, I forsake you, I don't recognize you, I don't even know you as my children. Instead, today, God says, behold, I am doing something new. Watch this. I'm doing something new. Can you see it? Do you perceive it? I am doing a new thing. This week on NPR, they interviewed a guy who a couple years ago with his buddy had decided that they were going to hike the circumference around the base of Denali. They were going to leave Talkeetna and return to Talkeetna. And so they went and they set out caches of supplies along the way so that they could prepare for the unknown on their journey. And yet, even so, as they're going along, they're trying to cross-country ski across a river, and one of the guys actually breaks through the ice and goes in all the way up to his shoulders with an air temperature of negative 15. Between the beginning and the end, as they complete their journey, was 45 days. And he said there were so many times along that where we had no idea where we were going except for the fact that we followed the map 
There wasn't a trail. It wasn't a charted path. It was just simply the way that we knew we needed to go. When our path becomes well-traveled, we can forget why we first followed it. When we say the words in worship and our liturgy become something that is no more than simply rote memory. And we do it this way because we've always done it. Instead of recognizing that the origin of the liturgy was something that was catechetical, it was intended to teach the faith in these bite-sized pieces so that it became something real and tangible in the life of the believer. The old joke, how many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? You know the answer? Change? What's change? We'd rather sit in the dark. As our country continues to trend towards being more unchurched and dechurched, the church as a whole is confronted with this question. Have we forgotten why we do what we do or how we're supposed to do it? Yesterday, there was a group of about 16 of us that met as part of AMC, Alaska Mission for Christ, Mission and Ministry Gathering. So Allison Chandler, myself, Pastor Dennis... We went and we listened and we shared and the question that we wrestle with as AMC or the question that we wrestle with as a local congregation or as a church at large or even Christendom as a whole is how do we stack up with the Great Commission? Behold, I am doing a new, thre- doing a new thing Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, God says. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom whom I formed for myself. Did you catch that? See, God leads them into uncharted territory and then makes the way for them in the wilderness. He doesn't go, I've given you all the tools you need in your toolbox. Now set off on your own. It's up to you. I hope you make it. Instead, God actually goes and he bushwhacks the path for us so it's something set apart, something unique, something different than what the rest of the world has to offer. I don't know if it's a matter of getting older as an adult or whether it's the circumstances of our life in the last few months, but I am constantly realizing how much I don't know. How clueless, in fact, I tend to be in most things. And actually, how much I stand to learn. 
had a conversation with an anchor parent, and they said, I really should come and worship with you guys. I have no idea what I'm trying to do when I'm raising my kids, and maybe I should come to church because y'all could tell me how to do it. I said, well, we don't have a clue either. <laughs> but you're welcome to come and figure it out with us. It's worth saying once in a while to admit that I have no idea what I'm doing and I trust solely on the grace of God to guide me in doing it. And I would ask you, how do you see God opening doors and what do you see God doing within our community that we can be a part of? You see, creation is always a reflection of what's a creator. Creation is always, always, always a reflection of its creator and never once the other way around. Which means that heaven won't look like us. That when we as these chosen people that God has formed for himself gather together before his throne that we might declare him praise that it won't look like us. That instead it's going to look like God so that he always gets the glory now and forevermore. Amen.